Inspiration. I can do anything. Education. Let's do this. And application. Oh boy, this is going to be good. Welcome to Like It Matters Radio. Keeping us out of the water hazard with some truth therapy. And teeing up solutions for today's big issues. Here's your life caddy, Mr. Scott B. Black. So welcome to the world of Mr. Black. Have you wondered... Has anybody ever asked you, how's it going, and you've been struggling, but you didn't want to say it? Have you ever been afraid to share your struggles out loud? Have you ever felt less than because you're struggling? And today on Like It Matters Radio, I want to talk about this word called struggles. You know, the word's interesting. You know, I, I'm a poet by nature, and I know it. But the word is interesting because it can rhyme with cuddles, <laughs> struggles, and cuddles. When asked how are we doing, a lot of people naturally respond, good. However, if we were being honest, the response would be, I'm struggling. You see, we fear uh, people's acceptance. We, we fear people's opinions, and we fear telling others that we're struggling. But what if, what if we defined what it means to struggle, or let us just say redefined? What if we put a proper meaning and purpose for the word of what it means to struggle? Have you thought about that? Because we get caught up in lies. There's a lot of things in our life that we accept as truth, but they're, they're bold-faced lies. And one of them is this, is that somehow we're supposed to be perfect. Somehow, um, if we're struggling, there's something wrong. Somehow, some people have fallen into the theology that if God's pleased with you, then things are going well. And if God's not pleased with you, that means things are a struggle. And that's not true at all. Many times in the Bible, God put people in the middle of a storm, where God put the apostles, the disciples, in a boat and took them across the way into a struggle. You know why? Because you can tell a man's religion in times of despair. See, when our back's against the wall, we know what we're made of. And today, I want to discuss the struggle bug. Because I'm going to tell you right now, things around us are getting weird. We are now taking lies as the truth. And we are being told that truths are lies. And if that's not a struggle for you, then you might want to take a look. Because certain things should be a struggle. See, there are three zones in life, and today I want to show you the power of understanding where you're at in these zones. There are three zones. They are called the comfort zone, they are called the fear zone, and they are called the panic zone. And this is where we spend our life, and depending on where we spend our life, truly does dictate the quality of that life. Because as we go through life, Things happen. Remember the study of logotherapy says that uh, man has a will to meaning. 
that through our lives, we're wanting to make sense of what we're going through. If A, then B, it's called a belief system. And Dr. Alfred Adler, who's a famous psychologist, says that by the time a child is five years old, a mere five years old, a majority of their basic structure of their beliefs in place, what we would call the map of reality. And see, that map of reality dictates everything. And so when we're outside of that map of reality, if we know who we are, if we know why we're here, if we know whose we are, then we're going to experience a struggle. Now, I'm here to tell you that that struggle is not necessarily bad. You know, in the study of emotional intelligence, we, we learn the power of emotions. And one thing I really work to teach people is emotions are neither good nor bad. It's what we do with them that gives them value. Whether it's a strong emotion in a negative manner or a strong emotion in a positive manner. What gives those emotions value is what we do with them. And so as a leader under construction, if that's your commitment, and I assume that's your commitment because you're listening to this radio show. Because one of the premises of this radio show of my life is about being a leader under construction, working to be a little bit better than yesterday, a little bit better tomorrow than today. In, in the corporate world, we call that lean manufacturing, call it lean sigma, six sigma, all based on Dr. Deming's constant never-ending improvement, six sigma, right? It's constant never-ending improvement. How do you take a piece of equipment, a machinery, something you make, how do you make it better and less expensive, lean manufacturing, Six Sigma. How do you take a process to decrease the amount of people needed for that process and increase the profitability or, or uh, the, the potentiality of that process? Six Sigma. The greatest asset in any team is the hearts and minds of our people. So how do you take that greatest asset and make it a significant impact. And this is what we're talking about today. This is why we're called to be a struggle bug, but not stay a struggle bug. At some point, we need to make the transition a goose, and we'll explain that later. So the three zones in life, number one, comfort. Things die in their comfort zone, and yet most people, really what they think they want is they want to be comfortable. And uh, it's kind of like being normal. And really, people don't want to be normal. If you knew what normal was in this country, you wouldn't want to be normal. And why do you think we hold back? Why do you think we don't want to tell people we struggle? Because we want to be normal, and we don't think it's normal to struggle. And I'm going to tell you right now, the only reason it's not normal to struggle is if you're stale, stagnant, ready to die. Everything else is a struggle. Life is a struggle. You have growing pains as a kid when your legs stretch. You used to have terrible leg pains because growing is a struggle. Uh, kids get colic as their intestines are coming in because growing is a struggle. Your teeth come in, your baby teeth fall out, new teeth come in, and it's a struggle. Your wisdom teeth come in, it's a struggle. Life is a struggle. And so we got to push outside our comfort zone because it's a graveyard. Our marriages die in our comfort zone. Our drive dies in our comfort zone. Our passion for God dies in our comfort zone. We need to be pushed out of our comfort zone because most of us will not willingly step outside of it. And so we need a little bit of Holy Spirit inspiration, uh, a, a holy angel behind us with a fork sticking our back to push us forward. And why? You know why? Because outside of our zone called comfort is a zone called fear.
It's an acronym, false evidence appearing real. And this is the struggle. And I'm going to tell you, this is the battle because fear is a straw man. Fear is a liar. When you stand up to fear and you function at a high level, you're going to find out fear goes away because it's not real. The only power that fear has is the power that we give it. And so as we learn to push outside of our comfort zone, to excel outside of our comfort zone, that zone called fear that used to panic us now becomes familiar and becomes our new comfort zone. And the outside of that zone called fear is the final zone, the third zone called panic. And it's intense fear. And here's the key to life though. You can't function out in that zone called panic. You can function for a very short period of time, but if you forge your mail, you're gonna fry your adrenals. The key to life is to keep pushing your comfort zone. And if you do that, you're gonna be in the zone called fear, which is gonna cause a struggle. And today on Like It Matters Radio, I'm going to tell you to do the opposite of what most people do. When most people get struggle, when they get resistance, they pull back. And today on Like It Matters Radio, I'm going to encourage you to push. Lean into that struggle. Push into that uncomfortableness. Because what's on the other side is a better you. What's on the other side is better relations. What's on the other side is a better future. For the God, the creator of the universe, looks you in the eye and he says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans for hope and a future. But before God ever took anybody to the mountaintop, he first took them to the valley and through the desert so they could learn how to struggle in a godly way. I'm black. After the break, I'm going to tell you what I'm talking about. Hey, listen, are you a 50-year-old person looking for term life insurance? Then you need to talk to Bob. Bob specializes in helping people find a million dollars or more of term life insurance for a couple of hundred bucks a month. Look, you need to know there's a price war in the term life insurance business, and you may be paying too much. Call Bob, and he'll shop and see how much money he can save you. Look, this could be the last term life insurance policy you ever have. Your rates are guaranteed for the next 20 years. That's right, guaranteed level rates for the next 20 years. And if you're a smoker or your health is not perfect, Bob has great rates for you too. So for a million dollars of term life insurance coverage for a couple of hundred bucks a month, Call Bob right now. 800-890-5049. 800-890-5049. That's 800-890-5049. Paid for by Term Direct. Give me 48 hours and I will give you a new beginning. Give me 48 hours and I will give you hope. Give me 48 hours and I will give you your power back. Because between the stimulus and the response, there is a space. And in that space is your freedom. It is your power. At Like It Matters Leadership Awakening, 48 hours will change the course of your life. Discover the very purpose of your life, along with the ability to achieve. Give Mr. Black 48 hours in the next Leadership Awakening. Sign up at likeitmatters.net slash schedule. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio Like It Matters, because you matter. You know why you matter? Because there's no one else like you. Since the beginning of time, there has never been another person like you. Nobody has your smile, your eyes, your hair, your hands. Nobody owns your handwriting, your voice. In all the time, there has never been anybody who laughs in exactly your way. And what makes you laugh or cry or think may have a totally different response than another. 
You are the only one in the whole of creation who has your particular set of abilities. Yeah, there always might be somebody who's better at one thing or another. Maybe every person is your superior in at least one way. But nobody in the universe can reach the quality and the combination of your talents or your feelings, of your pain, of your trauma. Throughout all of eternity, no one will ever walk, talk, think, or do exactly like you. You are rare. In all rarity, there's enormous value. And because of your great value, the need for you to imitate everyone else is absolutely wrong. You happen to be special. And it's no act that you are. Please realize that God made you for a special purpose. He has a job for you to do that no one else can do as well as you can. Out of the billions of applicants, only one is qualified. Only one has a unique and right combination of what it takes. And that one is you. And that one is me. But we need to struggle. Struggle at a normalcy. Struggle at a comfort. Struggle at the bonds of the narrative of this world. I want to read you a story. It was written in 1924. It's called A Crippled for Life. And it was from uh, Climbing Manward by Franklin H. Chile. It says, I once crippled a fellow creature for life. Ignorantly, of course, but nevertheless effectively. You see, he was a wonderfully attractive fellow, too, in, in his bright clothes and, and would have made a great stir in his own world if I had not interfered. As it was, he turned out to be a helpless cripple and died in a few hours. But perhaps some of the good came out of the incident after all, for it set me thinking I could not get it out of my head for days, and I wanted to be about it. You see, it happened like this. For months, I had carefully fed what was at first a tiny striped wiggler. What an appetite he did have. He grew just like things do in fairy stories, until at last he was a magnificent full-grown worm. And, and then, after attaching his rear end to the top of his little glass cage, he deliberately chewed off his black and yellow suit and transformed himself into a lovely green and gold crystallis. Day by day, I watched that beautiful bungalow for some signs of life. How curious I was to know what sort of a creature would come out of it. And then one day, I noticed the little crystallid shaking. Finally, it split. Just a tiny bit to be sure, but I was all excited. I was certain that my butterfly was going to be such a big, strong, beautiful fellow that he would easily break his winter prison wide open and emerge for my inspection. And so I watched expectantly how the poor thing did struggle as it wanted to get out through that tiny little split. But for some reason, it, it seemed to make little or no headway. It was stuck. Finally, growing impatient and thinking I was the kind one, I was going to help it. I, I carefully tore away that crystallid and, and helped as I thought that struggling insect to get an easy start in life. At least it tumbled out into my hand at last, finally. Uh, but it was a, a crumpled undeveloped thing it its lovely swallowtail wings crushed as a soft bit of silk might be crushed into a thimble gently i laid the helpless quivering thing in in the bright sunshine and waited and waited for it to stretch its wings and fly away but but it did not it could not it would not in fact it made no further effort to even unfold them by and by it 
it did move about a bit as if looking for food or nectar from a flower, but only to become motionless again and again. How disappointed I was. All those days of careful feeding and care, gone for naught. What a waste of my time. In disgust, I went to a scientific friend and told him what had happened. He, he listened gravely, and then with his hand on my shoulder, he looked me in the eye and he said to me, You have crippled that poor thing for life. It will never fly among the flowers or soar into the bright sunshine. You see, you have made that impossible. Then he went on to explain in a very surprised and chagrined voice that only by long hours of struggle is it possible for an emerging butterfly to gain strength and work up sufficient circulation to expand its wings so they can fly. By making it easy, by doing the work for it, that insect, I ruined its entire future. It had no future compared to what it was made to be. You see, struggle is a wonderful word. All of the good things that we have in the world today are the result of struggle. If men ever should cease to struggle in a surprisingly short time, civilization would slip back to barbarism. The best fruits always grow highest, and to get them, one must climb. If one would have a strong body, he must struggle physically for it. All of our team games are just an organized struggle, and how we revel in them. If one would have a strong mind, they must struggle through years and years of mental application. If one would be really good, excel, excel, excellent, they must fight evil forever. All development is a fight upward. It was Thomas Edison who says that genius is 99 parts struggle to one part genius. Luther Burbank says struggle is the mysterious key to the lock of success. Pick up the biography of any of our great men in the arts and science and politics and invention in any field, and you cannot but be impressed with the large part struggle has played in their lives. Read the wonderful tale of Scott in his dash for the South Pole. Read the story of Teddy Roosevelt, that, that sickly, puny boy who was placed on a western ranch to struggle back to health and vigor and world usefulness. And then sit down and ask yourself, look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself this question. Have I got that sort of scrap in me? Or am I one of those unfortunate children who has had everything in the world done for them? from having their clothes picked up and have to be helped with every difficulty that happens to cross their path. Have I ever picked myself up, dusted myself off and hit again? Have I ever pulled myself up by my, by my bootstraps? Have I ever had to rely on myself because my choices got me into a deep situation? And we gotta decide what type of person are we gonna be you know, someone might have told us that when your houses were made of straw, you men were made of oak. But when your houses were made of oak, you men were made of straw. How about you? What are you? Are you so worried about the struggle that you're stuck and stale in that comfort zone? It's slowly killing you waiting for the next shoe to fall. The story goes on to say, in these days of marvelous conveniences, and are we to allow life to become so easy and comfortable and soft 
that all that wonderful pioneer quality that made America great among the nations is to be lost? Instead of men, is it possible that we are becoming mollycoddles? More interested in how we look than in what we are or what we can do? Goes on to say, take care if life is too easy. If there are no problems, no burdens, no loads. Fatty degeneration is dangerous. Struggle is the flywheel that makes life run smoothly. Struggle is the governor that makes it possible to use the engine's power. Only the things that must be struggled for can be said to be even worth having. Who wishes to play a game when there's no opponent, no competition, no challenge, no struggle to get better, to learn? Who would care to climb mountains if they were all downhill instead of up? It's the hours of tremendous struggle that enhance the view from the top. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've always been on my own. I was on my own at 16 years old, graduated high school on my own, lived with some of the biggest drug dealers in Henderson, Nevada, and never touched them at all. Graduated high school on my own, went in the Army, came back from a little bit of active duty because I was on the reserves, came back to UNLV, lived in my car while going to college the first couple semesters because my parents lived down the street 10 miles, but I would never step in their house from the abuse I endured. See, in the process, God taught me how to struggle, how to learn how to overcome. And I believe, leaders, that we, are, we need to train ourselves to struggle. Struggle with a good mindset. God cares how we struggle. We got to see it through one day at a time, but see it through a, a person who has been wonderfully successful in developing teams of horses to move almost unbelievably loads says that he starts with them as colts by hitching them up at first to an empty stone boat and then adding one stone after another until they can pull with ease a load that most other teams could not move out of the tracks. Why? Because you practice, practice, practice. The good book says a righteous man will stumble seven times but get back up, but the wicked will struggle, will stumble into ruin. To grow as a person, we should be challenging ourselves daily. This is why we need to step outside of our comfort zone. Our comfort zones where we go to die. Our comfort zones where we go to get ready and take a look at our life as we're ready to stand before the Lord. But we are not to live in our comfort zone. We're to be constantly pushing our comfort zone. So what used to elicit fear now becomes familiar. And what used to elicit panic now just becomes a little fear. And once you realize that you can feel the fear and do it anyways, then, then we start becoming the man or the woman that we've been created to be. And after the break, I'm going to talk about the power of this process. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. My show is about helping people become all they were created to be. Well, we all occupy a body, and we don't know how it works. We were born into it. But, man, that's a machine. And when you understand how that machine works, then you can work it more effectively. That's my outcome, to help people be able to make better decisions, have some hope, be inspired to be better today than they were yesterday, to live their life like it matters. Like It Matters Radio with Scott Black. 
Hi, I'm Ronnie Deutsch, and if you or your business owe money to the IRS, I've got great news for you. Tax laws have changed. Billions of dollars are earmarked for IRS Fresh Start programs. And if you qualify, you can literally save tens of thousands of dollars. Listen, I know what you're going through. Call me if you want to speak with a tax attorney or tax professional for free. 800-246-1687. 800-246-1687. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. Today, we're talking about the struggle bug. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's okay to struggle. Matter of fact, I'm going to suggest... If you're not struggling, because you're not growing. And the day we're born, we're one day closer to death. Think about that. You're either going forward or you're going backwards. Your marriage is getting better or it's getting worse. You're either getting closer to God or you're getting further away. Quit thinking you're staying the same. There is nothing staying the same. The only constant life has changed. That's why I talk about the law of requisite variety. The law of requisite variety says that any element in a system with the most flexibility has the most power and the most control. And we are called to be that element leaders. So, yeah, you need that's what I do in my leadership training. I'm not selling you on it. I'm telling you, you need to get your butt in there because I know it's good for you. I've been doing it 31 years. I've walked intimately with 15,000 people. Go to likeitmatters.net. I got a class in Dallas, uh, July 27th, the end of this month. 40 hours that will forever change your life. And then you have a class daily on the radio. It's Like It Matters Radio. Right here. You can listen live anywhere in the world by going to freedom1570.com at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. I got listeners in China. I got listeners in Russia. I got listeners in India. Now I got listeners in Iran. And then the daily radio shows up. Then I got a bi-weekly podcast every Monday, every Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Tunes, Spotify, whatever, or Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. Just search living life like it matters. Why? Because I believe as leaders that we're to be examples. A picture's worth a thousand words. People don't need to tell you what to do. They need to show you. And so one of the things I work to do is I work to lead by example. I share my struggles. I know it's not good for business. I've been told, no, you got to be the guru. You got to be the Tony Robbins. You got to be Jesus. You got to be perfect. And there's only one Jesus, and I'm not him. And so there's only one perfect, and you're not him, and Tony Robbins isn't him, and Mother Teresa isn't him, and the Pope's not him. We all fall short of the glory of God, and every one of us needs a Savior by faith alone, by grace alone, to the glory of God alone. And it's the Bible alone, the five solas of the Reformation. But so I share my struggles to say it's okay to struggle. Matter of fact, if you're not struggling, it's because you're not growing. As a leader, we got to get outside of our comfort zones. And it's a great example of leadership. Matter of fact, I heard this great example of leaders. Leaders who are willing to get in the trenches with people talking about a struggle. Because we all believe this certain thing about leadership. But let me tell you a great story on leadership, a about, story about being an example. Over 200 years ago, a man in civilian clothes rode past a small group of tired and, and battled, weary soldiers. They were digging what appeared to be an important defensive position. The leader of the group wasn't making any effort to help at all. He was just shouting orders, standing around watching, and then threatening to punish the group if that work wasn't completed within a timely fashion and writing everybody to work harder because he's the leader. 
stranger on horseback asked the the man shouting orders, "Why aren't you helping?" Well, the man yelled back, "I'm in charge. My job is to tell them what to do, and then they're supposed to do as I tell them." He added, "Help them yourself if you feel strongly about it. Why don't you get off your high horse and go over there and help them?" To the mean leader's surprise, the stranger got off his high horse and got on his feet. And he grabbed a shovel and he started digging. And he dug right along with those men until the job was finished. Before he left, the stranger congratulated the men for their work. And then he approached the leader who looked at him very confused. And he said, you should notify top command next time your rank prevents you from supporting your men. And I'm sure they'll provide you a more permanent solution, the stranger said. Up close, the now humble leader recognized who was in his presence. It was General George Washington. And he was taught a lesson he would never forget. Never ask your team to do something you are not willing to do yourself. I believe this in the bottom of my heart, people. Never ask your team to do something you're not willing to do yourself. That's one of my leadership principles. And as a leader, a lot of people feel that way. As a leader, people look up to us. As a leader, people unrightfully put us on a pedestal. Like with Tony Robbins, most people know they can never be as good looking as Tony Robbins. Most people that know they can never be six foot six or six foot eight. Most people know they can never, uh, you know, do and say and the things he does. And, and so he's put on like a God, but I never wanted to be that. There is one true God. And I'm not him. I wanted people to know that it's servant leadership. It's the struggle of a leader that allows the struggle of the followers, not struggle for the sake of struggling. But to think outside the box, to be comfortable outside of our comfort zone, to be Semper Gumby, right? Yeah, we should be Semper Fi, right? Always faithful, always fidelity, Semper, always Fi fidelity, always faithful. But I'm going to suggest that right below Semper Fi should be Semper Gumby. You know, Gumby's flexible. Gumsy's uh, Gumsy's <laughs> Gumby's always uh, being pulled on, always being stretched. And Gumby started off as a little skit. And Gumby went on to become famous. There's been a couple of movies made about Gumby. How many movies have been made about you? Then the millions of people laugh all over the world, maybe billions, at the antics of Gumby, of the struggles of Gumby. And yet here we are. Talking about Gumby. And let me ask you, are you living your life in such a way that almost a hundred years after someone thought of you, people are still talking about you? See, leaders, never ask your team to do something you're not willing to do. And one of those things is never ask your team to struggle. You should want people that want to do better, that work going to be a little bit better day than yesterday, a little bit better. You should want people that are around going to go ahead and you can delegate to or are going to learn from their mistakes. There's something called failing forward. And people are afraid to step outside their comfort zone because they're afraid of failure. They're afraid that people think they're a fraud. They're afraid of not being good enough. See, underlying most people is this deep desire, this wall 
that I want to be liked. And so as a leader, you've got to be uncomfortable being uncomfortable. I mean, you've got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. You should be uncomfortable being comfortable. Matter of fact, in my leadership training, two and a half days, I will change your life forever. Go to likeitmatters.net, read about it. I'll be in Minneapolis uh, at the uh, beginning of September, I think it is. But you're going to struggle. It's a good struggle. Because what happens as we go through life, things get attached to us. And we become less than we are. See, it's the smelting process. See, there's three things of the smelting process. There's flux. And flux is something that is a process that allows for the melting of metals. Dross. Dross is scum. Dross is unwanted material that forms on the surface of a molten metal. It's waste. It's foreign matter. And I'm going to tell you right now, as we go through this world, especially if you're a child of God, you're a foreigner in a strange land. They worship different gods in this land here. They worship Molech. Abortion on demand. That's what Molech is, if you don't know that. They worship Ishtar. Ishtar is the transgender, homosexual, I mean, the temple priest of Ishtar. We're looking at today's gay parade. That's what they looked like thousands of years ago. It's nothing new. It's very old. It was part of the religious ceremonies. They would sleep with other, the same sex, and they would pretend to be the opposite sex and, of course, sleep with the same sex. <laughs> it's nothing new. It's thousands of years old. And then Baal. Baal. Baal the bold. Beelzebub. That's where the name comes from. It just sound like it, so it started to become Beelzebub. Baal the bull. That's what it says. It's just another God that controls everything other than the God of the Bible. And see, there's flux and there's dross, but there's also something called precious. And see, the smelting process, the fiery furnace, is that you take this precious thing, this gem, that has had dross attached to it, and the precious is us. And we go through his life and we have dross attached to us. And so we have hitchhikers, we have things, we got pain and hurts, structured belief systems from the past based on trauma and drama we went through. And so now we're only a, a slight potential of what we could be. We're settling for good enough, good enough to get by, good enough for government work, good enough that he or she doesn't walk out the door and take the kids with them. And so we're in this comfort that's stagnant that we're dying in. And so we need something to throw us in the fiery furnace. That's why go to likeitmatters.net. Let me throw you in the fiery furnace. For your benefit, struggle to overcome the old stuff that's not you. Struggle to become the new you. Struggle to let go of the past. Struggle to be the best version of yourself. And so what we do is you put it's called leadership awakening. That's called the flux. And then we bring you in this precious that has all this dross. And then we put pressure on you. And that pressure liquidates that metal. Why not to be mean so that you can separate that which is of great value from that which is of no value. And what comes out of the fiery furnace is a complete, precious you. That's what we mean by there's only one you. And it was a great, great, great Civil rights leader said, it must be borne in mind that the tragedy of life does not lie in not reaching your goal. The tragedy of life lies in having no goal to reach. Not failure, 
but low aim is sin. It isn't a calamity to die with dreams unfulfilled, but it is a calamity not to dream. Every man and woman is born in the world to do something unique, something distinct, and if he or she does not do it, it will never be done. It is not a disgrace not to reach the stars, but it is a disgrace to have no stars to reach for. And Dr. Benjamin Elijah Mays knew what it's like to struggle. After the break, I'm going to give you some other people that know what it's like to struggle. Leadership Awakening impacts even the seasoned pros. Take a listen to these comments from Kevin, who recently attended Leadership Awakening. I've struggled with a lot of things. I've been in so many different trainings, followed Tony Robbins, John Maxwell, all these great self-development gurus, but I have never went through a training as difficult and as intense as that 48 hours that we went through. What we went through was absolutely amazing, and I'd love to share it with as many people as I could. I kept being told on how intense this training was going to be, that it was going to be difficult. And I mean, I've walked on hot fire. I've broken arrows. I've walked on glass. I've done so many things. I thought, how hard could this be? Well, the number one thing that I gained from Leadership Awakening was another level of awareness. If you're ready to go to another level of awareness, go to likeitmatters.net. Just click on Schedule to register for the next Leadership Awakening class near you. That's likeitmatters.net. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, like it matters. Inspiration, education, and application. You know, we live in a world where they want to focus on the differences. America, I can't believe how racist America has become. That it's the, we're not openly racist. I, I think we have the most racist person in the White House in 100 years. I'm stunned that everything's about the color of someone's skin. And I'm going to tell you right now that we might look different, but a majority about us is the same. There's far more that is similar about each and every one of us than is different. There's only one race. It cracks me up when I hear race war. There's only one race. But yet people make the color of someone's skin a race. That's not a race. We're a one race, a human race. That's just a genetic marker. Listen to this. Sharon Briggs, senior scientist of applied genomics, Helix, in a recent article called Genetics, says, quote, genetics has proven that you're unique just like everyone else. Think about this. It made this statement. It's often said that humans are 99.9% identical, and what makes us unique is a measly 0.1% of our genome. This may seem insignificant. But what these declarations fail to point out is that the human genome is made up of 3 billion base pairs, which means 0.1% is still equal to 3 million base pairs. What e- we each carry 3 billion base pairs of information inside of us with the potential to unravel a piece of the mystery that makes us all so fundamentally human. At the end of the day, we're all still more similar than we are different. But we are just beginning to understand how important our differences are. And so today we're talking about struggling and to change our perception. Remember, no one responds to reality, respond to our map of reality. And if we think it's a negative connotation to struggle, then we will hide the fact that we're struggling. This is what's going on while they got drag queens uh, dancing in front of our five-year-old kids mandating it. This is why they're having secret sexual conversations with our kindergartners and mandating it because you become familiar with things. And if you think something is bad, 
even if you're doing it, you don't talk about it. If you think something's good, even if you're not doing it, you talk about it. So this is what's going on. And so in order to be, go from a struggle bug to a goose, and I'll explain why that matters, is we got to have the same mindset. And let me give you an example. Let me share a story with you. I remember hearing the story. A lady went to the pastor, her pastor at a church and said, you know, I, I'm going to no longer attend this church anymore. And the pastor was surprised. He's like, well, may I ask why? I mean, you've been going here for so long, and uh, are, are we, are, are, am, I, am I preaching right? Oh, yeah, you're preaching right. Uh, do you like the music? Oh, yeah, I like the music. Then he said, then, then why are you going to stop attending here? And she wanted to say, you know, during praise and worship, you know, during your message, I look around at people, and I see people on their cell phones, and I see them, some look like they're gossiping, some are reading social media posts, and let's be honest, some just ain't living right. I mean, we know that. All I keep seeing is that there's a bunch of hypocrites going here. And the pastor listened the whole time and was taken. He was very silent until she finished talking. And, and, and he looked at her and said, hmm. And he's shaking his head yes. And he said, I see the problem. But can, can, can I make a deal with you? Just one, one thing I can ask before you no longer come to this church where you, that you've called home for so long. Before you make your final decision about church attendance, can, can I ask you to do something for me? I feel God, God's moving me to ask you to do this. Would you be willing to? And, and I think uh, not only are you doing this for me, but you're doing this for you. And I think I'll help you make a better decision. And so she said, sure, Pastor. Sure, what, what would you like me to do? He said, listen. And he took a glass of water. And he says, I'm going to fill it to the very top. And he says, here's what I want you to do. Something simple. I want you to walk around the church two times. And please, I, I want you to do this while I'm up there preaching. I want you to do this uh, while I'm giving the message. I want you to walk around the church two times. But here's the key. You cannot let a single drop spill from the water or splash out of the glass. If you do, you have to start all over again. And either way, you cannot leave. Even if you decide to leave the church, you cannot leave until you've done this, walked around the church twice while I'm preaching without spilling a drop or splashing a drop out of the water. And then at the end of that, when you've done that, whatever decision you make, uh, I, I'm in agreement with you. And says, okay. So she said, sure, yes, I can do that. So she got her cup, filled it up, pastor's preaching, and she was determined to walk around that church without spilling any water. And then she was already knowing that she was going to leave. What she did that she was done. But she was going to fulfill this obligation. And then she was going to do this, leave and find another church that doesn't have so many hypocrites. Now, it did take her a while. She walked slowly. She was intensely focused, had to start over twice. But boy, that third time she focused, she was not going to do it another time. And so she focused on that glass of water. That was her sole focus. She walked around twice and did not spill any water. At the end of the sermon, when the pastor was in the room, she came back and reported back to the pastor, it's done. I walked around the church twice without spilling the drop. And you said, after I did that, uh, whatever decision I make, you would uh, be in agreement with me. said, yes, I did, but... Before you make your final decision about continued attendance, he said, let me ask you three questions about what you just did. And I think these three questions will assist you in your decision on whether to stay or find another church. Three questions. Number one, did you see anybody on their phone while you walked around that time that you were successful? Number two, 
Did you see or hear anybody gossiping? Number three, how many people did you notice that were living wrong? Well, she said, I didn't see anything, Pastor. I mean, be honest with you, I wasn't looking at anybody else. I was so focused on this glass, so focused that I wasn't going to let the water fall. I got to be honest with you, I didn't notice anybody else. So I, I, I can't answer any of those questions, but my clear answer was no. I didn't see anybody on the phone because I wasn't looking. No, I didn't see anybody gossiping because I wasn't looking or paying attention or listening. And, and how do I know if anybody's living wrong? I was too busy focused on what I was doing. Anybody get a big smile on their face yet? Because in the story, the pastor started to get a huge smile on his face. He then responded, you did well, child. You were focused on the right thing and you were committed with your effort. And then he went on to say, when you come to church, you should be focused on God like that. You should be focused on your relationship with him like that. You should be focused on how you can do better, how you can get closer, how you can be the person that God has called you to be so that you don't fall. Or that when you do fall, you can pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and hit again. See, we are to keep our eyes on Jesus, not on others. We see others. We look at others to be a light, to be a helping hand, to be the only Jesus they might see today. See, that's what he can be to other people. And so that pastor gave some good advice. You got to focus on yourself. And this is the part of struggle. We live in a world today where we play the victim. We live on the drama triangle. If you don't know what the drama triangle is, Google it. It's by Stephen Cartman with a K, K-A-R-P-M-A-N, Carpman. There's the persecutor, there's the victim, and there's the rescuer. All three enter from the, the, the savior level or from the victim level, and they're all negative. When we stumble, we blame someone else. When we see someone has a different skin color and they have more than us, we're told to hate them. We're told that they got it unfairly. We have become so racist. We become so pathetic in our thinking. Poor me. Woe was me. It's not fair. I didn't get my fair share. We got to start putting our big boy pants on, big girl pants on. Struggles part of life. Look at a diamond. Do you know a diamond is carbon, dark, same thing as coal. But it must. It goes through high temperature. It goes through intense pressure that's pushing it through the dirt, through the miles of ground. Through the years, this process of pressure, of stress, brings this crystal transformation that becomes the diamond. God's making diamonds through our struggles. But we got to know who we are, what we're here, why we're here, and whose we are. How about a pearl? A pearl is produced inside clamshells. A clamshell will usually settle on the seabeds to get food from uh, its surroundings. And once it's open, it creates wave pressure particles to go inside the shell sometimes dirt gets in there and dirt creates an irritation and that shell's reaction to the irritation that produces a tear-like particle on their muscles which grow and become the pearl a pearl is a product of irritation of irritation bad vibes discomfort so is the diamond in our struggle god is making diamonds when we get knocked on our butt, we learn how to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, and hit again. We must learn to fail forward. We must learn to embrace our struggles. When we learn to overcome, when we learn that we are more than conquerors, and then we can face the two biggest things, our God, the two greatest commandments in the Bible, is to remember and do not fear. 
So Dan, like it, remember, uh, my Like It Matters Radio, I want to, you to remember that you're an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror. And remember, do not fear, because you were made for greatness. I am Mr. Black reminding you, when you live your life like it matters, it does. You have been listening to Mr. Black, Master Trainer for Like It Matters. Please find us on Facebook by searching LIM Radio. Make sure to follow us, like our posts, and share with others. Also, search YouTube for Like It Matters. Be sure to like and subscribe to our channel. And for more information on how we can help you live life like it matters, go to likeitmatters.net where you can find more information on our transformational training, our life coaching, counseling, our radio show, and other ways we help you continue the journey of living life like it matters.